song um <laughs> the song that will be on everybody's spooky lips this year yes i can't wait to have it playing at my halloween party <laughs> yes. oh my god are you having a halloween party me too you are oh my god i am the annual fear the talking queers halloween party <laughs> except they're in different places <laughs> <laughs> except we are not having our halloween parties anywhere near each other together but they will be sponsored by the podcast which is great Yes, uh, yes, exactly. Your listenership is uh, paying for our party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we're also putting up our uh, Venmo, our Zelle, our Cash App, all the information so you can contribute to our parties that you're not invited to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of Halloween parties, how do you throw the most banging Halloween party there ever was? Okay, well, first of all, to throw any good Halloween party, you have to have the perfect venue so where are you hosting your yes. party my party is going to be in a black lagoon Ooh, yes. tropical so much fun yes beautiful foliage and the water is warm yeah water is warm stagnant brown yeah built-in hot tub okay exactly. rabbit animals a lot of like really crazy things like that and so it really gonna it's gonna contribute to um the ambiance it's like built-in um decorations like i don't even need to spend a doll hair Ooh, i would love to take a dip in the warm waters of the black lagoon i especially love when it bubbles and then releases gas oh my god wait that was just me <laughs> Oh my god. Where are you having your party? Okay, funny you should ask because I'm having mine. <laughs> I'm having mine at a graveyard. Ooh, I how know. apropos. But mostly because ever since I paid off my debt this year, I just can't afford to get more into debt. So I was like, graveyard, built-in decorations. All I'm going to do is dig up the bodies and pose them around the yard. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yes. I'm going full on poltergeist. Like, why buy new decor when you can already use what's there? Yeah, of course. It's perfect. I've already sent out the invites. Basically, I sent out a Ouija board to all of my guests, and <gasps> it just moves around and says, Um, <laughs> to my party. However, I will never do it again because it actually takes a full hour for the invitation to get spelled out. Not very convenient, but definitely points for uh, creativity. Okay, well, the venue is just half of what we need to get done. We also need decor. Have you purchased anything for decor? Uh, purchase anything? Everything I get is for free. I go down to the local morgue where <laughs> I get everything I need. Uh, severed limbs, severed heads, fingers, yeah. teeth. Yeah, I don't think anyone will notice, too. I mean, who's going to miss those body parts? That person's already dead. Exactly. No complaints. Just 
fun. <laughs> um, okay, drinks. Any signature cocktails? To make sure nobody drives home drunk, mm. um, I will be serving arsenic. So uh, everybody will be dead anyway. People won't know what hit them until they hit the floor. This will be the best and last night of all their lives. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm just going to go with good old-fashioned Hennessy and Coke. <laughs> yeah, what are you pairing it with? Little... <laughs> Little Caesars pizza, pizza. <laughs> Little Caesars pizza. Um, they will be catering the event. <laughs> High end. What are you gonna eat? Fish from the lagoon. Um, yeah, it's a it's a whole you know, crab boil that we're doing. <laughs> yeah, boiled crabs. Um, but it's just pubic life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there are some creepy crawlies over there in that black lagoon. So I think that's gonna look really good as a steam spread. <laughs> Last and certainly not least, we need to know what we're wearing. What are you going to be for Halloween? Oh, I'm going as a ghost. Just a sheet with two holes. Uh, What's going to make mine different is that when I said two holes, I meant the mouth and the ass. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God. I might as well do that. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, these Halloween parties sound like flops. <laughs> Speaking of flops, let's get into our movie this week. <laughs> yes, which is The Return of the Sanderson Sisters Hocus Pocus 2. Oh my god. Goddamn years in the making. 30 years in the making and this is what we got. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I can't wait to get into this. You know, this is something that has been long awaited. This time last year, we did a Hocus Pocus 1 episode. So if you haven't listened to that, go and listen to it. Um, And we actually, this was all already being talked about. So we talked about our hopes and our wishes. And actually, a lot of what we forecasted came true, except that we wanted a rated R version of Hocus. That did not happen. (laughs) I know. God, I don't know how that didn't happen. Mm. I wanted Eli Roth's Hocus Pocus too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rob Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like this is a movie that every person I know has already seen and it's been out for. I mean, at this point, okay. it's been out for a month. While we're recording but, this, to, yeah. but when we are recording this, it's actually only been out for a few days. But everybody I know seems to have seen it already because... Oh. It is, it is the event of the Halloween season. It absolutely is. This really got October kicked off in a very good way. Yeah. A lot of people are liking it. And then we also have the Disney fans who are like, I'm really picky about my sequels. And I did not like this one. It's like, okay, are you a film critic? Are you an actor? Are you a director? No, you're nobody? Okay, <laughs> fine. We all know that the definitive voice on this movie is going to be here after you're the talking queers. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, where do you exist? Do you think you exist somewhere on like the liking it spectrum or the I'm picky spectrum? Liking it. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be coming right. from a positive, um, loving perspective on this one. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, me too. I think I might like, you know, sort of play a little bit of a devil's advocate here and there. But other than that, sure. Good times all around. So I'm ready to get into it. Let's get into the Halloween spirit today, guys. We'll have a few more days till Halloween. So let's do it. Absolutely. This is Hocus Pocus 2. You are our idols. 
I do. My favorite word. Thou dost worship us. Of course. Which one do you like the best? Say don't say this to I know. Get it. Hocus Pocus 2, released in 2022, written by Jen D'Angelo, directed by Anne Fletcher. Our movie begins in 1653 Salem, where a young Winifred Sanderson, played by Taylor Henderson, is being celebrated for her 16th birthday by her sisters Mary and Sarah, played by Nina Kitchen and Juju Journey Brenner. They bake her a cake and give her a spider. However, Winifred is upset, as she's just been told by the town's leader, Reverend Trask, played by Tony Hale, that she's too old and now must get married to a John Pritchett. It isn't long before Reverend Trask and the villagers surround their house, giving Winifred one last chance to obey his orders. But, much to John Pritchett's relief, Winifred refuses. She states that if she were to marry, it would be to Billy Butcherson, as she believes him to be her soulmate despite only sharing one kiss in the graveyard. Reverend Trask banishes Winifred from Salem and orders her sisters to be raised right by a different family. Winifred distracts everyone with her spider and escapes with her sisters to a nearby forbidden forest. You know, everybody has one of those, a forbidden forest just laying around. I have one in my backyard. There they make the acquaintance of the witch mother, played by Hannah Waddingham, who transforms from a raven. At first, she attempts to steal Sarah's life force, but Winifred stops her, and the witch mother recognizes that Winifred is also a witch. She gifts Winifred her magic book, but explicitly warns the sisters against casting a spell known as the Magicae Maxima. The witch mother reveals that the woods allow witches to charge their power, that she kills children to keep her youth and stay alive forever, and she also teaches the girls that their coven will be their strength. The sisters sneak back into the village and use a spell from the book to set the reverend's house on fire. Title card, Hocus Pocus 2. We now return to present day 2022 Salem. It is Halloween and we are introduced to birthday girl Becca, played by Whitney Peake, who is also turning 16. We also meet her best friend Izzy, played by Belissa Escobedo, and her estranged friend Cassie, played by Lilia Buckingham. Cassie asks what their plan for Becca's birthday is, and they reveal that they'll be doing their tradition of a birthday ritual in the woods, followed by a scary movie marathon. Cassie's friendship with the girls has been strained since she got her new boyfriend, Mike, played by Froy Gutierrez, who accidentally reveals that Cassie's having a party that Becca and Izzy are not invited to. After school, Becca and Izzy run across Cassie's father, Mayor Trask, also played by Tony Hale, who is excited for Salem's Halloween carnival. Mayor Trask is quite the opposite of his reverend ancestor, and he is friendly and supportive of the girl's witchy interests. Becca and Izzy then visit a magic shop, formerly the Sanderson Cottage, run by Gilbert, played by Sam Richardson. He is having story time, recapping the origin story of the Sanderson sisters to several locals, as well as the events of the 1993 film. He reveals that he has the spell book and the melted black flame candle. The book seems to be watched over by his cat, Cobweb. As Becca and Izzy continue their shopping, Gilbert gifts Becca a magically charged candle for her birthday. Izzy also takes some free Angelica leaves for protection, as you never know when you might get cursed on Halloween. Ooh, okay. Woo! The introduction. Well, first of all, I have to say. Okay. That logo, that Disney logo, so cute. Oh, that was good. You know, because, you know, it's like the, the traditional castle, but then it, like, turns into, yeah, into a spooky time. Like, oh, that And that the really music turned going. into the theme 
Oh, that yes. was good. That was good. Yeah, it got me hype for sure. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I know. That was really exciting. And then right away, we start following the same formula as the original with a <laughs> yes. backstory of the Sanderson sisters. But thankfully... They went with younger versions. I feel like if they would have started us off right away with these witches that we know and love, it would have been lackluster. You think so? Their entrances. I think so. Did you like this early childhood storyline? At first, I was like, what? And then, honestly, when I saw their performances, specifically the Winifred's performance, I was on board. Oh. It, It was a little... Like, the whole thing was slightly children's theater, but also she was giving. She was was giving everything. She was hilarious. Like, she had the mannerisms down. 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 She's so good. Miss Taylor Henderson. I think she played Matilda on Broadway. She did a great job incorporating Brett. uh, Brett. Brett Michaels mannerisms. (laughs) (laughs) Bette Bette Midler's mannerisms into the character. Brett Michaels instead of Bette Midler. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, she, she... She must have studied the, the oh, early movie she for did. sure. And the girl that played Sarah did also a really good job doing a lot she of the, did. Uh, hands on the shoulder at the same time. And yeah. Like, uh, she did a great job too. Mary, um, I didn't see much in there, but the crooked mouth, but um, I yeah. thought they could have worked a little harder to find um, another actress for that role. <laughs> yeah. Like there, I was like looking, I was like, wait, I was like, give me something like, quintessential Mary and other than the mouth I really wasn't understanding but I was like okay it's fine it's fine yeah this is sort of helping us to understand the reality of Salem at the time like the Puritans versus the witches and like the pre-hysteria of the Salem uh, witch trials and um, (laughs) so I I think they went for a more like uh, aware um Approach approach to the sort of feminism that is in this movie is a lot different than what we've seen before. Right, of course. The first movie didn't really have much in the way of social commentary. No. But, like, just where we are right now, and especially Disney, um, you know, they they had to have an angle, which, do you know what? I'm all about. I, I don't mind an angle to, you know... To encourage young girls to, you know, become witches or or become witches. Yeah. Sure. Of course. And take down the man. Yes, absolutely. Which brings us to our first, you know, adult female character, which is Mother Witch. The only thing I I wasn't crazy about was the costume. But apparently, according to Joey, I don't even know how he figured this out, but he learned that her costume is a reference to Danny's costume from the first one. Just in the colors, yes. the sun motif like on there. I didn't know that, but yeah. I, re- I mean, I think her performance is great. I think she kills it. I just think she looks a little more fantasy than she does like a, yeah, like a witch. She does. She looks too modernized. Like she has jewels on her eyes. Yeah. And what was like euphoria? She has this like, yeah, parted white wig. That's definitely not of the period. Um, I don't know. She looked like she belonged in a different movie. She looked like she was supposed to be in Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters and she lost her way. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, I think it's really interesting that they use this like, what is like a raven? And like, we got that amazing, you know, shot very reminiscent of the first one when we... When the movie first opens, that the drone shot over Salem. Yes. Which I thought was really cool. We get this bird that, um, you know, we see later turn, turn into. Yeah. Yeah. Into Miss Mother Witch. Which I thought, which, 
Yeah, which is the only thing that I was like, Ugh, I don't know, it's looking a little Maleficent to me. But other than that, like... Exactly. It just not... didn't look like it fit, visually. Yeah, it feels a little out of place, yes. Because I think that there was a lot of, like, you know, practicality that made the original so charming. And yes. I still think they, they use enough practicality in this one um, to make it reminiscent of the original and bring back that nostalgia that I feel like this moment of, like, that transforming from the bird into the witch just feels a little like unnecessarily CG. Yes. I felt like they could have had the bird swoop down and then a rustle of leaves. And here she comes. Yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> that, that would have felt more in the world of this movie yes. than the, the Maleficent CGI. Absolutely. And um, I, because I do like the idea of her, like an elder witch that lays down some witch rules. And I think the actress does right. a fantastic job. I'm just not feeling the execution of like, her look and plugging her into yeah. this universe. It just didn't feel like the movie. What do you think of this? So my roommate, we were all very high watching this the first time. Uh-oh. And she kind of made an interesting point. Okay. She's like, is she supposed to be like the Disney version of Satan? Because, you know, these, these witches mm. like, you know, make a deal with the devil and all the stuff. You know, for, that's what we kind of learned from the, from the first movie that they, you know, that's who they've made a deal with. But like, is this their way of, uh, you know, showing us the devil, but not really making it so obvious? Is she the devil or is she just another witch? It doesn't feel too Faustian, you know, it kind of does feel just like she's a witch. She almost killed them damn near until she realized, Oh, Winifred is a witch, but I, I don't necessarily feel like they went with that route. So it just seems like they're just witches. I kind of felt like she gave it all up too easily. Like, and I guess it's just because they've crammed a lot of ideas into this backstory. So it feels a bit rushed, but, um, but like her just being like, Oh, you do smell different from the other children. Here's my magic spell book. It's like, um, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Weird. You know, like, and I, and I don't truly understand the mother witch, other than like explaining some witch rules, I just kind of sure. feel like it's sort of like a passing of the baton or more like a female empowerment more so than yeah. it is like a, like an allegory for making a deal with the devil. Just hmm. because there was right. nothing in exchange. You know what I mean? Sure, There's that's, no, that's true. It happened so easy. They weren't it's yeah. too easy, but that would have you're been right, you're way right. more They're... interesting had they taken that approach. Yeah, they should have. I wonder if they thought, I mean, I'm sure if they had thought about that, I wonder if they would think that was too dark. The devil comes up and it and it looks like Gary Marshall, but his but he's oh like red. <laughs> That's yes. why they were confused in the first one, right? Or I wonder if if like a Faustian deal would be too similar to what happens at the end with the the Magikai Maxima spell that you have to give. Yeah, you know, you know it's almost the same exact it thing. Been, yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. be like, okay, what? <laughs> because in a way, Mother Witch is kind of the devil, only in the aspect is that we do learn later what how these witches start off. Like, it's natural, grounded magic. And it seems like what Mother Witch was doing was maybe leaning a little bit more toward the dark side or the shadow side of things. Mm-hmm. And so her giving this spell book to these temperamental, this temperamental girl, you know, she's probably like, yeah. you have the makings of, like, one of my witches. So here's my sure, book. Sure, sure, sure. So maybe, maybe in that way, because what we see later, how the girls use it later on, it does, it doesn't seem to be quite the same uh, yeah. motivation or 
Yeah, but but then the, that bird shows up again in the end. I as know. If it's going Maybe to go she's going to try to take them to the shadow side with her. Who knows? Oh, shit. Focus, okay. focus three. Uh, <laughs> we also are introduced to a young Billy Butcherson in this. And we learn oh, yeah. that there was no steamy love affair between him and Winifred. It was just one kiss at like 15, maybe 14 years old in a graveyard. And that was that. And then he was interested yeah. in Sarah and actually in their adulthood later on. So that's funny that they changed that storyline. <laughs> I did think that was interesting. It was like, she, that girl that plays Sarah, she looks like she's about 11 years old. Yes. And he looked about 20. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I really hope they're not implying that he had a, a relationship with Sarah first and then kissed Winifred. No, it was definitely Winifred first. And then later as adulthood is how I took it. Good, that, good, 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 that good. They, um, they had their own. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Because I was like, oh no. <laughs> did they come back to the village? How did she start this relationship with Billy? I thought they were in the forbidden forest. Banished. Maybe he was collecting wood in the forest and she was like, hi, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> and they probably also only had shared a kiss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is cute. It's a cute opening. I think it goes on just a little too long because we're like, okay, we yeah. want to see the real witches, you know? But I know it's it's a lovely backstory for them uh, just to because they are so not so different, but they are portrayed differently in the original. So to give them this extra backstory to sort of tie it in at the end, it it is helpful. It's a helpful uh, storyline tool to use. So I appreciate it. Then we flash forward to. 29 years later, which I'm like, I could have waited one more year so that it could have been 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, they should have just said it was 30 years later. But obviously, they did not film this movie in real Salem. So we're not getting Jacob Bailey High School in this one. We're getting oh, I know. Samuel Skelton High School. Remember, okay, remember in the original, we like looked it up. We were like, Jacob Bailey, like, may, what does that mean? And we were like, I can't find anything Jacob Bailey related to Salem. Like, why did they choose that name? And why did they do a close yeah. up on the sign? But Samuel Skelton is the first pastor of the first Puritan church in North America, which just so happened to be in Salem. So this name actually makes sense. Okay. And you can hear it in the song that plays. The song that plays when the, you know, we flash forward to modern times is called Sam Skeleton. It's actually kind of cool once I looked it up and realized what he was and what he stood for, um, because it's... We obviously see how Reverend Trask and his lineage has changed to the mayor, but, you know, we still have this school named after a historical Salem figure, which may not be, in our current social climate, the most positive name we could use for this high school, you know? It's very reflective of, like, the world we live in when we have names of streets and buildings and uh, schools that represent people who were racist don't deserve to be don't deserve to to be be recognized immortalized in any way shape or form so um it was kind of a cool concept especially because when they do come back that's sort of the mission of this movie um is to tear down the old white patriarchy so i'm glad they put some more thought into that (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. And another thing that I noticed, I do feel like this movie doesn't have the same reverence for Halloween specifically as the first movie does. The first movie was very much about the love of the holiday. Do you think that's reflective of where we are now? 
I mean, yeah, that's probably true because I do think that in 2022, things are different as far as like, you know, trick or treating, trick or treating. And and because, you know, the world is just a much different place and people are more scared of things. And so I get it. But, you know, the first one was just very Halloween centric. And I don't feel like this one is specifically about the love of the holiday and is more about this, you know, sort of sisterly coven theme. Yes. Which is fine, but it doesn't make it feel as specific to the holiday. You know? You're right. We start meeting our girls. Uh, these 20-year-olds playing 15, 16 Yes. <laughs> yes. We, yeah. Our, our 40-year-old teenagers, as Mary calls them. <laughs> okay. So first we meet Becca, who I have to say, Whitney Peak is just stunning. Um, and she's really good in this. Um, she does have a very cute and charming presence on screen. So I'm glad that she was able to utilize that here in Hocus Pocus 2 because the original teens were so charming, I guess. So charming. That this, she's definitely making a claim for the new ones. I mean, obviously, I have to preface this now. Obviously, this movie was never going to touch the original. Like, there's no way it was ever going to. And so I, I have had to, like, kind of subvert my expectations a little bit. But, like, at first I was like, honestly, I was like, I don't find this new group of teenagers char- as charming that word specifically mm-hmm. at, as the the kids from the first one i think we get more time with the original kids than we do with these ones i agree they these kids start off in a bad place with each other you know we're not getting like a like a strong friendship or we're not getting like new kid and you know getting yeah. acquainted with his town or whatever that's where the disconnect is because that's the yeah. those are the dots that i put together as well where i'm like then be him max being the new kid in the first hocus pocus gave us his perspectives like we're yes. also coming into this new universe through his through, with him through his eyes and in this one we're just the audience witnessing the story we're not coming into it with anybody everything's already been established so it's not quite the same journey that we're taking with these characters as for the character of becca we're introduced to the idea that she is a witch like i think it was in the trailer it's sort of we see it right away here like and her powers are kicking in now that she's 16 but she's always had this attraction to a witch's lifestyle and i know that people have mixed feelings about this but i actually love this edition because it also brings the ideas together of some of our favorite other witch stories like the craft legacy sabrina (laughs) no not the craft legacy But and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It's sort of like the original craft where everyone knows them for being like doing these rituals and stuff like that. And they're sort of outcasts because of it. So that's cute. Yeah. And, you know, I think that brings us to that character of Mike, which is the character of Cassie's new boyfriend. And and his character was kind of hard for me to figure out at first. I was like, is he an asshole or is he just stupid? But his character like fully believes that these girls are witches. And which is weird because usually I feel like the normal approach to that would to think that these girls are full of shit and that they make fun of them for thinking that they're witches. But this character specifically, who's like the mean or the popular boy or whatever he yeah. is, he actually does believe that they're witches and he's like kind of afraid of them, yeah. which is interesting. But also there's sort of this um, idea that is, is kind of starts in the original where the te- when the teacher's explaining, you know, the Sanderson sisters come back to life. Yeah. Ah, um, yeah. That, that 
the people of Salem are so into it. And so, like, right. for our mean boy character, he can't really pick on them for being witches because it sort of seems like it's just a common occurrence in this universe of Salem that it's just like, yeah, yeah. there are witches, they're real. And actually, there's a group of girls at my school that do rituals in the woods and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's pro- maybe, it, maybe it is part of, like, just their their culture there in Salem, which would make sense. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's interesting that it does feel a little more new agey witchcraft than it does like, like classic Disney witchcraft, you know? Yeah. Like Chris crystals and, you know, things like that. Leaves and uh, crystals yeah. and ground. It feels very grounded. And I think that honestly yeah. was birthed out of the um, idea that Disney and the first one was feeding into the, you know, old sort of storytelling of yeah, what witches were. A spell were. book and a cauldron. Yeah. But, you know, there are real, there are people who practice witchcraft and there are Wiccans and I think that there was, I think maybe we even discussed it, that there is some controversy around like the way witches are depicted on screen and how Hocus yeah. Pocus seems to be the most ridiculous of them all. Um, right. Aside from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but now we're introduced this grounded idea of witchcraft, which I think serves well for not just the story, but also for witches and just for, I don't know, to make this new and exciting. Yeah. For like, it's inclusive to everybody. And is this movie inclusive? I will say. Yeah, it is. And, and, I, and I think that it helps with the storytelling because if it were just a regular group of teens versus the witches, it would have felt redundant. But because yeah. that we now have have a group of aspiring witches and they can fight back with magic it makes it that much more interesting so yeah it it does definitely it's definitely a different dynamic between our heroes and our villains in the first movie yes um so then we also meet izzy who is a very cute character she sort of doesn't have yeah. much purpose beyond supporting our lead which is fine um yeah and, and you can tell she's like the she's like the foil to mary like yes. she has her hair in the high ponytail and she's wearing a red coat so right. she's Mary. And they <laughs> we noticed this right away, like the use of the Sanderson sisters' color palettes on the girls. Yes. Like Becca wears Winnie's colors. Um, Izzy wears Mary's colors with the ponytail, high ponytail. And um, uh, Cassie is wearing Cassie. Sarah's colors and she has her hair part in the middle. Um, <laughs> yeah, why is she not blonde? What? And which is crazy because the actress in real life is blonde. So, that is so bizarre. Uh, maybe they weren't trying to be too obvious. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I mean, they were obvious. Like, who are they fooling? These girls are obviously supposed to be mirrors, you know, of the Sanderson mirrors sisters. of the Sanderson sisters. Let her be blonde. Also, that she, it makes her look so mousy and like it doesn't. I don't get Sarah energy from her, no. and so it's weird that she's the Sarah. It is sort of weak with the kid characters. It seems like sort of an afterthought. Katsy has much less personality than Becca and Izzy. Her oh, purpose for sure. seems much more story driven to teach the lesson on sisterhood. And, right, of course. And just to present conflict more than it was like establishing who is this girl? Yeah, she has no character to be honest. We have no idea what kind of person she is. She's obviously used to be their friend and now she's not and now she just sort of seems kind of mopey about it. The biggest disappointment to me was that she's the only one in our lead characters who is dressed up for Halloween and she's a fucking referee because her boyfriend is a (laughs) football player and I was like I guess the obvious choice would be for her to be a cheerleader and maybe they wanted to like deter from that like you know what she's gonna be a cheerleader she's gonna be the referee no 
I did not like that. Make her a football player too okay. then. Because I thought it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> the other um, teenage character in this scene that we're introduced to is Glenn. <laughs> Glenn, my favorite character. I knew that I would love- be your favorite character. I actually wrote in my notes that I thought this was, uh, they used your old vampire photo that your mom posted <laughs> for Halloween. I thought they used that as reference for his costume. <laughs> they did. They did. Yes. Yeah. Glenn is actually based on me. I literally have in my notes, Glenn, best new character. <laughs> best new character. When they're like, we even invited Glenn. And he's like, yes. Hey, Glenn. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, that's so Glenn. That's actually a really fun scene. That classroom scene, like establishing who they are. And we have that great moment where Becca whispers vegan food. <laughs> to freak oh, yeah. out Mike and I thought it was hilarious because when she says it the way she does it actually does sound like an old Latin spell or something <laughs> yes it does and she's like Satan I was like because we watch everything with subtitles and so I obviously knew what she was saying but if I didn't have the subtitles I probably would have thought she was speaking I had no spell. idea yeah I had no idea and then she goes and then I when I watched it a second time I heard of I heard all the different ones and I was like oh yeah. that's hilarious then we meet Tony Hale who it plays both Reverend Trask and Mayor Trask. Okay, I love Tony Hale just in general. I think he's just a hilarious actor. Hilarious. And he and he's so charming in this movie. You know, oh, we great. saw him in the beginning as like, you know, this evil Reverend Trask, but this version of Trask, the mayor, who we find out is Cassie's father, is the complete opposite. He is the sweet man who you know loves Halloween. He, if anything in this movie loves Halloween, it's his character. Yeah, you know, as much as the first movie, the you know? sweater, and the and, sweater. Uh, <laughs> and honestly, I just love that his character in this whole movie. The only thing that man wants is a caramel apple, and I was like, oh, that's so that's cute. His goal. I know it's so cute, and he brings so much. Um, adorableness to the story and to his character uh honestly he also just just the choices that he made and his delivery and his lines he could have easily been in the in the first one like this could have been a character and a performance that exists in the first one so i loved his choices i loved his character development and the scene that he has this first time with izzy and becca was so good to me like i laughed the whole thing it was he's yeah. great this is a highlight for this movie absolutely yeah I think that, yeah he absolutely kills it I think he's very very funny very charming um, and I'm I want his character to get that apple I'm like actively rooting for him yes and so there's a goal they there. get me on his side right away absolutely and then we have kind of um, a, a little bit of a different character which is Sam Richardson as Gilbert um, right. I think his performance is well done. He doesn't quite have That's the fine. same amount of charm as some of the other leads. Um, right. And the character is given a lot here. Like, he's sort of the reason that, you know, we'll find out that it's all happening, which is fantastic for the storytelling until he sort of becomes irrelevant after we learn his purpose. Like, after that, he sort of just fades into the background. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like a, a B plot that I really could do without. And, you know, yeah, I think they did their best, but it seemed like he needed something more to do. And and maybe yeah. even just the character. I don't know that he's really portraying Gilbert as like really being invested in this magic and really ha- his purpose and his focus. Yeah, like, I don't feel like that's there. And I, I don't know if it's his performance or the writing, but yeah, it seems more like kind of a cutesy performance than it does somebody who's actually 
you know, affected by what happened what that he saw in 1993 and who's actually obsessed with the Sanderson sisters. It yes. just sort of seems happenstance as opposed to being the objects of his obsession. It doesn't yeah. feel... His stakes don't feel very high to me. I also felt like he was supposed to be the representation of the audience, like the people who were kids during 1993, who did fall in love with the Sanderson sisters. And I do not feel like he did that justice. You know, like being the voice for us in the movie, I don't think that he went there with it. He seems sort of like, you know, he just happened to own the magic shop at the time. You know, I just don't know that it felt, I don't know. Yeah, it's not, he's definitely not my favorite character. I definitely could have done with less of him and, you know, he's not even really in it that much. So, you know, that's kind of saying something. I thought it could have been a better plot line if the girl's went into this with the intention of bringing Sanderson sisters back. Like, we're witches. I I know that they were misunderstood. We want to bring them back. How do we do it? But... That would have been interesting. He kind of says that's what his goal is, but I'm like, why him? I don't know. Like, why... And what is his... What is his ultimate goal with bringing back these, with bringing back the Sanderson nothing. sisters? And we never get to Ju- really learn it. Other than, like, I think they were misunderstood. I think they would be much better off in our current social climate. It's like, uh, okay. I mean, it's maybe. Like, what? But why is that his goal? And I, and the only reason I could think of was because he is the voice of the audience. Like, we're the reason they made mm. Hocus Pocus 2. We're the reason that they're back. Sure. And these witches that we've you know, were conceptualized as being evil witches have now become the heroes of our story. We love these characters. We, we want, we wear them on our t-shirts and buy merchandise with them on it. And we want to see them performing on stage. So yeah, I can understand how he does represent the audience and how his perspective on it mirrors ours as the audience, like looking at the Sanderson sisters, you know, yeah, uh, as like people to worship as opposed to be feared. Yes. Exactly. So I get that. I get that. Yeah. Um, we also have this great line. Oh, well, the Sanderson sister house is back. Great. Whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't look anything like it. It's now been transformed into a store. I love the magic box from Buffy. Like it's yes. like, you know, it's, I, it's a I store now. I think that the, um, the writer definitely listened to our first podcast because it's funny because in our Hocus Pocus episode, we talked about how a kid watching the original would definitely ask the question, what's a virgin? And that happens in this yes, movie. Yes, I think I thought that was brilliant. I was like, yay. I was like, I'm glad that they like they reference this because I feel like everybody probably has that question of like, I can or not even that question, but has had that thought where they're like, I can't believe that I was so nonchalant about <laughs> saying yeah virgin lit the black flame candle when i was watching this movie when i was like four or five years old yeah i'm like what's a virgin and instead of it being such a shock that like max is a virgin in this one it's sort of like no but there's no conversation about it other than this part where it's like a virgin yeah. candle what's a virgin someone who's never lit a candle which yeah that is what Great. it is yeah uh, exactly <laughs> i know i think max gets heckled so much on the first one about being a virgin which is it's so 90s sort of yeah it's very inappropriate um (laughs) and then the iconography is back we get the spell book return and um, we get the black cat the black cat who's not thackeray binks i know there's a fan theory that quickly escalated that he was secretly or he descended from thackeray binks but the theory has been debunked they're just like it's just a black cat you guys it's just a black cat named cobweb just like let it be but i love that when uh, they meet him later they're like 
that you know i know that is tis really the thackeray <laughs> yes i do think that is funny when they confront the cat thinking yeah. being. they're about to kill it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah fucking sarah she's so funny in that yeah so becca has this line in here as well before we move on to the next section where um she says somewhere in this opening that uh, the legend of the sisters taking the souls of children is probably like most legends where it's based on some sort of patriarchal fear of female aging. Yeah. So that kind of, that I knew right away. I was like, well, they're going to obviously take the story in a new direction to make the stakes a little bit higher. And her saying this line from the beginning, I was like, okay, they're obviously critiquing the vanity of the women in the original. So they're obviously going to change the, the motive of the witches in this sure. one in some of way. Of course, yeah. They have to because it's it's so vapid, you know, to have these yeah. three aging women desperately seeking youth, which they technically still are. That is their goal. Becca and Izzy make their way into the woods to begin the birthday ritual. Illuminated by the full moon, they light the candle and begin chanting. Now is the time. Now is the hour. Ours is the magic. Ours is the power. Uh, <laughs> also, that moon is enormous. That moon is huge. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I want uh, that moon on Halloween. I hope so. For my for my party. <laughs> The candle begins to transform and reveals itself to be another black flame candle. Sarah's song can softly be heard in the distance as the noises of the woods dissipate. The ground breaks open and the Sanderson sisters materialize. Material girl. Material girls. <laughs> and the Sanderson sisters materialize, resurrected once again. Bette Midler, Kathy Najimy, and Sarah Jessica Parker return as Winifred, Mary, and Sarah. They break into song and dance before confronting Becca and Izzy who try to escape. Winifred summons her spellbook so she can steal their life forces, but Book can't escape the magic shop. He's into bondage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's always tied down. Yeah, straps, their leather. There was that thing over the eye. I was like, whoa, a kinky. I was like, dang, the dang, book ain't daddy. a virgin. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no wonder he can bring him back. <laughs> what? The girls managed to outwit the sisters by saying they're 40 years old and keep their youthful appearance as you can now buy youth potions from the store with the souls of children already included. <laughs> the witches demand the girls lead them to the apothecary for the potions. They take them to the local Walgreens where the sisters proceed to eat face masks and lotions. However, they soon catch on that they've been tricked. The girls manage to protect themselves with a circle of salt, which appears to be charged by Becca's natural powers, and they escape to the magic shop. The sisters follow close behind, Winifred on a broom, Sarah on a Swiffer, and Mary on two Roombas. One on each foot. (laughs) (laughs) That she calls broomies. They're all... As she steps on them. (laughs) At the magic shop, the girls confront Gilbert, who admits to tricking them into reviving the sisters as they are virgins. The sisters barge in, horrified by what's become of their cottage. Winifred uses her magic to trap Becca and Izzy in the cottage's basement, formerly their dungeon. Gilbert becomes afraid of the witch's intentions when he sees them trap the girls and attempt to kill Cobweb, as they are convinced the cat is Thackeray Binks. He reveals that he saw them on Halloween back in 1993, flying in the night sky. 
He followed them into the cemetery where he saw their demise. He then went to the Sanderson Museum, saw the black flame candle had been lit, and took book, which taught him to make a new candle. The sisters then notice a campaign flyer belonging to Mayor Trask, quickly recognizing that he is Reverend Trask's direct descendant. Winifred decides they will cast the Magikai Maxima spell to eliminate Trask and take revenge on Salem. Book attempts to stop Winifred from accessing the spell, but she forces it open. The incantation must be recited seven times in a sacred place. In addition to a few small ingredients, they will also need the head of the next lover. Very convenient. And a drop of their enemy's blood. Winifred uses an hourglass spell that forces Gilbert to collect the other ingredients before the sand runs out. Otherwise, he will die. This includes him digging up Billy Butcherson to collect his head. Of course. Meanwhile, they will hunt down the mayor to extract his blood. Oh my god. Oh wow. Okay. All right. The witch, the witch is the, the witch is back. back. Okay. First of all, aside from Sarah's very heavy dark makeup, the sisters <laughs> look great. <laughs> they do. I know. Uh, yeah, her makeup is fine. It's the wig for me. Her wig needed a side part. I'm so mad it's a middle part. Yeah, okay, wait a minute. Before we get into how these women have changed and aged remarkably over the past 30 years, um, they arrive, and it is cinematic. I love their entrance. I love it. The lightning crashes, the flashes of the light, but they're in silhouette silhouette. and poses. Ugh! They know that a huge part of their fan base is gay. <laughs> oh, the camp. Oh, no. They know that it's camp. They the know. Camp. Are you kidding me? Bette Midler fucking knew what was up. Yeah. She's like, we have to we have to serve the gays. And it's crazy because they're it, it's so cinematic. It feels so grand. And um, and the intro is kind of scary. The way the ground open, yeah. cracks open and the girls sort of like run. It's so good because it is sort of scary in the original too, but this really takes it there. And yeah. um, then it gets immediately watered down with a <laughs> dumb ass song and dance. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, I was like, oh no. Oh no. I was like, why are they going into the song so early? Why? Yes. But honestly, I was like, the music comes out of nowhere. Yeah, music comes out of nowhere, no band. It's just they're performing for nobody. And then you're like, at least they acknowledge it with the girls. They do acknowledge it. And I do, and this is what I thought one of my favorite parts is when she's like, she's like, who are they performing for? And then immediately it cuts to Sarah and she goes, you. You. And it's like, yes. And that part is really scary. And I was like, ooh, okay. We pointed that out in the original Hocus Pocus. We're like, well, you know, the scary part is when she's under the covers. She goes, Max. And she goes, boo. Yeah, it was very that. Um, It was very that. It was like the editing was really smart and really good. And I was like, ooh, okay. This is setting us up for them to be very spooky. Yeah. It doesn't really, it doesn't really sort of last. There will maybe a few more kind of spooky moments like that. But for the most part. It's this not. It. It's not where I was hoping it was gonna go because I was like, "Oh my god, the bus like, stops here." Sc- scary. <laughs> End yeah. of the line. Um, <laughs> um, so, Bet, Kathy, they put themselves right back into where they were 30 years ago, right and back into that headspace. They look fantastic. Yeah. All the costumes look uh, just too. Cl- I know they've impeccable. Added, they've added like different iconography on their cloaks and things to make right. it more. Um, grounded to real witchcraft and stuff like that. So I thought that was uh, cool, but not that we would notice that. Right. Sarah, however, to me, I don't know. 
Sarah Jessica Parker seemed just a little bit disconnected from the trio this time. I know. And I even wrote that on my notes. I said, some, like, there are moments when she's brilliant, and then there's like, a few times yeah. I'm like, she's kind of off. Like, Sarah's a little, little Sarah Jessica's a little off. Off. There was that one part when she goes, uh, when they go to Walgreens, but we'll, we'll get there, but there's this one oh, part where yeah. they go to Walgreens and like, the gate's pardon for her, you know, at <laughs> the automatic door. Yeah. And um, Sarah says, Maybe she's very powerful. I'm like, what yeah. Is that? She did. She did. She she does that a few times. And there's one that she does later on in the magic shop, where she says, and I I wish I wrote down the line, but I was like, I was like, oh God, I was like Sarah, you're just like, I don't know if it's just like, the understanding of the character is not the same, or or what, or she's like playing it up a little too much, like the sort of like, I'm really kind of stupid and saying this like line like this it like it doesn't always translate super yeah. well to like her, and her it's it crazy. almost feels like she's playing it a little too much her choices in the original were so good so brilliant. and authentic and like yes yeah. they felt she's the, what i mean i mean they're all very quotable but she is like has some of the most quotable lines in the original because of her delivery yeah. and she did not bring that this time and it, it, but it's fine she does well it's enough. fine because for the most part i do enjoy her performance in this. Yeah. and there are some times when i do think she's i honestly do think she's brilliant in some moments in this movie and there's also some moments i'm like ah why did nobody direct her like slightly differently or like, mm-hmm. like let's try it this i don't know i mean i don't know yeah. But I, I don't, I didn't hate her performance, but there was just some moments that were like, ugh, okay. But the other two, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Amazing, amazing. And they whoa. have some brilliant moments in this whole section in general. This is where we get, I think, probably some of our only one-liners and and, uh, and iconic lines that we're going to get in this movie. Um, one yeah. of them is when they're like, you're our idols. And like, idols? My favorite <laughs> word. Dost thou worship me? <laughs> Dost thou worship me? And she's like... <laughs> turns to the side and Sarah's like get in line get in line (laughs) (laughs) it's so good that was a brilliant moment (laughs) yes that part is so good it's one thing about the Sanderson sisters that has stayed inconsistent throughout both films at this point is that they are very smart but at the same time, they are very, very dumb. Very they dumb. They are so gullible. I don't say dumb. You're right. That's the word. Gullible. They but get when, tricked very easily. But when Danny tried to convince them that she brought them back on purpose, like, I um, I thought that never yeah. comes, sisters. And, <laughs> yeah. know, they don't believe it. But they believe so many other things that I'm like, why do they I believe know. these teenagers are 40 years old? They also thought Gary Marshall was the devil. So I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, they, they've always been very gullible, but... I feel like it all happens so fast that they're gullible. Like yes. we don't see them enough of them like being menacing and being smart and then kind then being gullible to the the modern the modern yeah technology. like technology. Yeah, exactly to what's happening in the modern day. Like it was just immediately they were like tricked like we're 40 and they're like wow, I'm like 40. Wow. But I love that it keeps like, going, though. Like, we're 40, yeah. but we have a whole youth and beauty industry. Um, and yeah. they sell potions, <laughs> lotions, and creams with the children's souls already in them. In them. And they're like, yeah. oh, oh, oh my, my God. God. Like, how convenient. But it's crazy because it's, it's stupid because they've already come back. And they know what yeah. the world is like since they've been gone. So... Why yeah, do they, they think know that, that this is a thing now? 
Because, I don't know, because we needed a way to get them to Walgreens. Yeah, for, the, for, for some shameless For a 30-minute Walgreens commercial. <laughs> <laughs> we sell Swiffers, Roombas, we have... Ro- yeah, lotions, um, we got face candy. masks. Yeah, we have a yeah, whole salt. section. We sell salt. Yeah. <laughs> that whole scene, though, when oh. they get to the Walgreens, that I was in tears. I thought that in was some tears. of the funniest... They were so funny. And like, there's like, okay, a a few spooky moments, right? Which I was like, okay, we are continuing being a little scary when they, they send them down the aisle, which they're like, aisle, aisle. They send them down aisle four and then they attempt to run away and they turn on Mary's right there. I was like, okay. So we're still like kind of doing those like (laughs) little jump scares, which I thought was really fun. But when they get... (laughs) <laughs> they fucking start drinking the lotions. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> and when she goes, um, what did she say? Well, first of all, Sarah goes, she goes, ah, she, she like sprays something in her mouth and she's like, it tastes like, like a toner. tinkly. Yeah, she's like, which is my favorite feeling, tinkly. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then Mary goes, just the face of a baby. Yeah, no, like, look, the face of a child. The face oh, yes. mask. Look, the face of a child, <laughs> and it's a baby face. And Winifred goes, a newborn. <laughs> yes. And she goes, what does it taste like? She goes, raspberry. <laughs> Let me have some of that face. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> she, she's eating it. And then the, the that group of queer kids that comes oh, over yes. and takes a picture, with which I was like, I'm loving the inclusion this time around. Yes. We had, um, with, 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 there was there was a trans teacher that happened, or like a... There was a trans... She worked in the office. Like secretary. Yes. Yes. They have... I mean, our lead teen is black, which is great. Uh, black yeah. and Hispanic. We have like so much going on here, the inclusion. And yes. then we have these this group of queer kids, which is great. And yes. they come over and they're like, we're such big fans. Like, oh. And then they take uh, that photo of self. them. They take and a selfie with the filter on. The filter. <gasps> Sisters! We are ravishing. <laughs> yeah, it that was, was brilliant. I was, but that, the, I was like in tears. Like I was, like, I was oh. in tears. And then they turn around and they look at the that mirror over the security camera, and their their face faces are all distorted, and they start screaming. <laughs> so good. It was so good. It's so ridiculous, but it's so. This was a really good writing moment for this movie. Yeah, it was like this feels like. Hocus Pocus. Like, this felt good. But this just feels like Bette Midler and Kathy Najimy and Sarah Jessica Parker just being un- unleashed. Being yes. their characters. Yes. I yeah, so you, loved it. <laughs> and they look and so I, you know, I good. think Bette is just so... Bette is just so... She loves this character so much. She's so in this character. Yeah. Anything she says is fucking funny. No matter what, she's so good. And they look fantastic. Like, even in the press uh, um, that they've been doing, they all three of them look just stunningly amazing for how much time has passed. They look better than they did the original. Yeah. They look so good. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, Kathy looks fantastic. They all look amazing. they They just all fucking look great. And, um, it's just a joy to watch them. And this is the first scene in the movie where I'm like, okay, this feels reminiscent and just as charming as the original. Like I said, when this movie is good, it's good. It's fucking When it misses the mark, it misses it. But, you know. So that brings us to this next moment. Um, The girls escape to the magic shop and we get Gilbert's history that's woven into the storyline. Okay. I didn't mind it totally. 
I just wish there had been some explanation that he was one of the wandering kids under Sarah's spell that night. Because why else? I don't think he was. Uh, But they exploded into glitter at sunrise. Why the hell was he still out? Why was he still out? Where are his parents? That's what I thought at first, right? I was like, why would he still be out when the sun was rising? That's so bizarre. But then I remembered, well, they did like rally up the entire village of kids. Yeah, of course. And I was like, so maybe he was making his way back home. (laughs) Right. Well, here's the thing. I was like, he he says one line that I think ruins it for me is when he goes, did they sing and dance? They love to do that. I'm like, the only way he would know that is if he was at, what, City Hall? But from what we know, he only saw them fly through the sky and then saw them explode in the cemetery. He never um, saw them pu- performing I Put a Spell on You. told him that story. Yeah, right. But, yeah, I mean, and I, and I it started to make me wonder, because we do get some costumes later on that are reminiscent to the original. I was like, maybe there's a kid in the crowd scenes from 1993 that can be seen in a similar costume to what they gave young Gilbert to wear in 1993. I mean, maybe. But I like the idea that there was an intention to bring the sisters back. I just wish that I wish it was the idea of the girls and not Gilbert. I agree. It would have made so much more sense for the feminist approach they took to this story. They they could have been like, oh my, the Sanderson sisters were the most powerful witches in Salem. We, you know how much we could learn from witches, them, and we could learn so much from them. They were just misunderstood. We want to bring them back. That would have been so much better. I don't think this yeah. character needed to exist. I understand the intention behind it to be sort of right. our the audience's voice, but I don't think it was necessary, and I don't think yeah. it pays off. And I do all. think it makes him kind of sinister in a way that he's not. Re- he doesn't really face the consequences of his actions. The if he these women that he brought back want to, when you break it down, they want to kill children. He is responsible for tricking these girls into bringing back these witches that could potentially, you know, kill people. And so I, I think they're kind of cutesy, like, well, at the end of the day, it brought us all together. I think that's kind of a shitty thing. If this were an R-rated movie, he would be fucking dead. He'd be fucking dead. That's the one weak link in this movie for me. It's the weakest link yeah. of the movie. For sure. They also do, they highlight the song and dance stuff a little. They only do that once in the original. So I don't know why there's this idea that they're like songstresses. Like, I don't know, but whatever. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so now we get this, uh, we go back to this Magikai Maximus spell. Yes. You know, um, which this one is interesting to me. Um, obviously, this spell or whatever is supposed to be really powerful. It's supposed to make whoever, you know, you know whatever conjures it all powerful right but I don't feel like we get enough of why it's so bad and what actually happens when you do this spell they're like it makes you all powerful okay that's it we don't get the consequences until the very end and you're right exactly and and who knew that it all came down to uh not reading the terms and conditions of the book. <laughs> Literally, which, which is crazy because once you see the illustrated page that shows the warning, it's hard to miss. Uh, but again, yeah. because of Winifred's, you know, bad qualities, she doesn't care. Yeah, her what, impatience. What the, yes, her, her impatience, her temper. Um, but I also love that this gives book, which we're now referring to him as. Um, <laughs> yeah, that book. <laughs> Um, that it's sort of becoming a character in itself. Like, it, it can make choices yeah. and decisions, and it has, like, which I, do, I don't mind. know. 
I, which I do like, but I don't know if I like the decisions that the book is making because it makes the book sympathetic. When this book was apparently created by Satan himself and is bound in human, in human skin. skin. Are the humans that took part in the cover? Yeah. Do they have, is their conscience built into it? Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why on? is this book like, it's like, no, please don't perform this spell. And then. the book sweats it cries now I'm like yeah this movie has a way of humanizing the villains of the original which is fine in some ways which is okay but this one seemed like okay like but also the book is what the book it it doesn't want Winifred to use the spells it doesn't want to listen to her at the end and so why did it give Gilbert the idea to create a new black flame candle yeah and it sides with the good witches, the new girls. Like it's very yeah. strange. And my ro- and my old roommate, who we watched it together, she's like, I think that this is a Disney ploy to sell it in stores. The it's book. now a cute. Uh. Yes, now it's a cute thing for you know people to buy because it's, it's now a good guy. And I'm like, yeah, that is true. See, That's true. I, every every one of these Disney movies have to have something that people are going to want to buy in stores. And it seems like book is this ver- is this movie's version of that. But we also get some new ideas, like the hourglass. Um, that the, it's kind of oh, yeah, cool that's to fun. think that they had all these other tools that they could use for spells and whatnot. And I think the hourglass yeah. spell is actually really cool. Like do our bidding before the the hourglass runs up. Otherwise, you know, it's kind of Wizard of Oz ish. <laughs> it is. I only wish that we would have seen what happens. I know. I wish he wouldn't have made it. Yeah, like, me either. Like Billy, um, like he can't. He doesn't have the heart to do it, so then he just shrivels, shrivels up and dies. I would have loved that. I would have loved that. <laughs> is, <laughs> is that just? Is that wrong of us? I know no. this movie's PG, but no. still, no. I do love the new purpose for the sisters. Like they're not just here to suck the lives out of little children. Like we've done that already. So they're going to take yeah. it a step further. They're going to make the stakes a little higher and pursue the most powerful spell the book has to offer. Yeah, exactly. It's it's sort of random that they're like, oh my God, the mayor. Oh, Salem is still run by, you know, the Puritans. Like we yeah. need to do the Magic Eye Maxima spell and take revenge on all of Salem. It's like, did you need that spell specifically to take revenge on yeah. all of Salem? But probably. They make it seem like it's a big task. So they have sure. to do the all-powerful spell in order to take revenge on the entire town and not just the children but everyone so okay hmm. okay so we yeah we've changed it's we're trying to keep it from being the same movie i understand it. especially because what's kind of passed down from them from mother witch is this idea that witches should run salem so it's kind of like, sure okay yeah yeah Fine. okay yeah i'm into that i'm into that but here's a brilliant Sarah uh, moment when they're like the head of an ex lover. I'm like, well, that's great because everybody that we were lovers with is. And then she goes, and she goes oh, we, we can find new ones. We can find ones. new ones. That was good. I was that, like, oh, here's that felt Sarah very Sarah. Love. And yeah, she's like bouncing can... around with her. Yeah, like... she, she pinches her cheeks. She's all. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of drag, why don't we get to the next section? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The girls girls attempt attempt to warn warn Cassie, Cassie, but she can't hear hear or see them over the phone. phone. Izzy Izzy remembers that she has the Angelica leaves leaves and they use them and Becca's natural magic to escape the basement. Gilbert digs up Billy Butcherson, played by Doug Jones, who has been awake but entombed since 1993. 
Gilbert needs Billy's head for the spell, but tricks Billy into taking revenge against Winifred and helping him collect the other ingredients first. Meanwhile, the sisters track down Mayor Trask at Salem's Halloween Carnival. Becca distracts the mayor by revealing that Cassie is having a party at his house, causing him to leave the carnival. And the caramel apple line. Oh my god, this is, yeah, the stakes are higher for this. This is the story that I was really invested in. Still searching for the mayor, the sisters stumble onto the carnival's main stage where a Sanderson sister costume contest is happening. I love this, that's hilarious. They're mistaken for men entering the contest, however, they lose the contest! The sisters run everyone off stage and reveal to the citizens that they are looking for the mayor so they can take his blood. They decide to bewitch the crowd by performing one way or another, which includes their dancing spell. The citizens are spellbound to dance and hunt down the mayor. Billy and Gilbert spend some quality time together at the carnival as they are gathering ingredients, but Billy eventually figures out that he's being used by Gilbert for the Sanderson sisters' spell. The girls reunite with Cassie at her house to keep the mayor safe, but he's already returned to the carnival. Suddenly, they see Mike is being chased down the street by witches, and they hide. In the house, they manage to trap the sisters with an assault circle in the garage before Mayor Trask returns home. As the girls wait for the mayor, they make amends with Cassie and Mike. The mayor returns home, where the sisters confront him, showing their distaste for his family tree. As the girls try to explain to the mayor what is happening, the sisters are set free as Mary's Roombas arrive and clean up the salt. They kidnap Cassie to use her blood for their spell instead. Okay. All right, we made our way to the carnival. Yes, but first we have this sort of phone call happening where with Cassie's storyline with the girls, we're still going after this storyline. Oh, yeah. Remember um, them? They're in this movie, too? <laughs> yeah. I see why they have this in there by the end of the movie, but the character is so void of personality that I don't... Yeah, she's so bland. I don't buy into the severity of their strained relationship, so the stakes don't no. feel terribly high with her character. And this, again, this is when we get to see her in her referee costume, and it is just appalling. It yeah. is the worst decision. <laughs> It's so bad. Yeah, it sucks. But we, but we do get a glimpse of the party, and you know who's having the time of their life? Glenn. Go, Glenn. Go, Glenn. <laughs> Go, Glenn. Yes, he's yes. living. I love yes. Glenn. Can you imagine if he was voguing back then? Oh, my God, I know. <laughs> I wish. Oh, my God, he's all doing dips. That'd be amazing. Yeah, they're all, ah, ah. <laughs> um, okay, imagine being Glenn. Can you imagine being Billy? He's literally been oh my God. just sleeping in dirt all day. Just, <laughs> since nineteen All day. Or does he, like, get out and, like... And do because, what? I don't know, walk around. He sort of... Well, because Gilbert is digging him up, and he sort of makes this comment, like, whoa, that's not six feet under. He's, like, yeah, right he's like, at the surface. It's, like, right at the top. I mean, maybe he does. Maybe he... Uh, every Halloween, maybe he stretches his legs. Yeah. But he's also just been saying, he's, like, he's, I've been alive since 1993. And I'm like, yeah. what? It's a weird decision. It's a weird decision, but so was The Voice. This is something that we talked about yes. when we were texting. You're like, I think Doug Jones forgot what kind of voice he gave to Billy back in the original because he went from being <laughs> a New Jersey to being English to being a English. pirate. I was like, what is going on? It's like all kinds of everywhere. And that was my concern because in the original movie, he does, you know, even though it's not technically appropriate to wear he was from he was in you know Salem Massachusetts he sounded like 
He had like this like either like Boston accent or like a new, like a Brooklyn accent. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And so this one, I was like, now I think he has more lines technically in this one, so we hear yeah. we can hear it more. I don't think he has much to say. We can hear the inconsistencies in his accent way more. <laughs> I know he can. He's a, a fantastic actor. Okay, yeah. Is anybody, if anybody's seen what we do in the shadows, the series when he plays the Baron. He is hysterical, and he keeps in his accent is flawless in that. Whatever his, but he, but there's sometimes when it does creep out when it does sound exactly like the original. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe we just didn't hear enough in the original, or maybe he is doing something specific, and we just don't know what it is. We're dumb. Yeah, maybe we're dumb, and he's smart. I don't know. Yeah, maybe th- this is just like part of his character. He, you know, he's like he's from everywhere. <laughs> okay, every know. town needs to have a Halloween festival. This is what's going to keep the spirit of Halloween alive because this looks fucking fun. This looks so much fun. Oh my God. When they first get there and they see them bobbing for apples, (laughs) that part is so funny. Look, they're drowning those men. How charming. (laughs) Yes. How charming. And I love when Mary goes, she's like, uh, she's like, like, Oh, the girls are love this. Let me go get that. Or what did she say? Let me go get the girls. Um, and she's talking about her Roombas. Her Roombas. I know they're eating popcorn. It's really funny what they did with the Roombas because at first when they released the poster with Mary, I was like, oh no. Oh my God, that's so ridiculous. But what they end up doing with the Roombas is so brilliant. (laughs) Yes, the broomies. They're kind of like alive, they're like creatures. Yeah, they're like dogs or creatures. My favorite moment in this carnival scene is the witch lady handing out the apples. (laughs) The poison apples. She's like, poison apples? Trying to sell caramel apples. And Winifred goes, Thou must never announce they are poison, sister. Amateur. Amateur. (laughs) So 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 good. good. (laughs) Um, Okay, this costume contest, a great addition to this. A great way to get them back on the stage. They're like, hey, fellas, nice costumes. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah, this whole, the stage sequence is so funny. Because, you know, of course, like, We've already established that they are huge icons within Salem. We saw the kids dressing up as them in Walgreens. So now it only makes sense that now there's a costume contest for them. And I think it's so hilarious that they enter this costume contest unknowingly and still lose to the Sandersonettes. These girls are in like these like pop star Disney costumes. Miss Cornbread, Miss Ginger Minge, and Miss... Okay. Uh, well, who's that Miss Kimora, Kimora Hall. Miss Hall. The House of Hall, yeah, mystery. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes. she was. They were up there, part of the costume contest, and that was really funny because we know those faces, we know those names. Um, well, I didn't know Miss um, Kamara Hall's name. I forgot her name. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, was Naomi Smalls not available? Um, I know. Where was Naomi like, Smalls? Plastique. Or perfect. Who? Oh my, <laughs> like, Plastique would have been great. Any of like the gorgeous ones? Um, Kamara Hall is gorgeous. <laughs> don't get me wrong. But, yeah, she's pretty. But you know what? This isn't about them. Um, you know, <laughs> I love when actually Mary goes up to the guy who just has like oh, yes. a beard That's- with just the wig on. She goes, "Is that what I look like?" Damn, we are foxy girl. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like a man, yeah, with just a beard. He's like, uh. <laughs> but I love that they lose, and then the winner's like, "Yes!" The uh, the crowd starts like like making cheering. She goes, "They don't want you. Be gone. Be gone." Yeah. She goes. They don't like you. They despise you. (laughs) (laughs) They don't want you here. Be gone. Be gone. Be gone. (laughs) Okay, this is where, obviously, it's a much more appropriate place for a song and dance number. Yes. Yes, a stage. 
And the director said that she knew they wouldn't be able to recreate a whole new orchestration. Like, Bette Midler got a writing credit on that, on I Put a Spell on You and Hocus Pocus because of how they changed it and orchestrated it. And she was like, I knew that we weren't, we don't have the time, the money, or anything to put into this performance. So we're just going to take a good old song that would fit the theme and just go with it. And honestly, it's fine. I like it. It works. I will say that you can uh, you can feel the absence of Miss Kenny Ortega in this moment, you <laughs> know, who is a, a master of staging a musical number. But I do like the fact that uh, that Kathy and Sarah actually get to sing on yes, the track. They're real like, okay, voices. Thank God. Uh, they're real voices and not like obvious studio singers. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? Sarah Jessica Parker, she was a little behind on the choreo miss thing. Like there's this moment where Mary and uh, Winifred are so in sync with the way that they're tossing their skirt. Yeah. And Sarah's like a little to the right. And then she finally, then she does her uh, skirt like a half second later. And I'm like, <laughs> you couldn't have refilmed that part. You know, there's another, it's it's not just her. There's a scene, uh, there's a shot of when, you know, they bewitch the town and the town is doing that march down the street. One of the dancers turns completely early before everybody else does like a turn. I was like, oh my God, why did they use that take? I guess they didn't have the time or the budget, according to Miss Ann Fletcher. Yeah. That's also a noticeable difference. While the writing still feels somewhat in the same vein as 1993, the direction is a little different. Like, the the set design is doing a lot. So, you yeah. know, thank you know, God for that. But Ann Fletcher's um, direction isn't... It's not that it's bad. It's just different than Kenny Ortega. It's different. Yeah. We even talk about it in our original episode where it's like Kenny Ortega. He he is directing for the stage. Like I see yes. Ernie pop up from behind the grave. Like what were they doing down there? It was like <laughs> a stage production. But yeah. and and doesn't quite have that same mentality. It's much more film. So yeah. um, it, it does feel different. And then something happens in this number um, that I'm like, wow how do we rationalize this when they're going through the town and looking through people's windows and they find a couple, a gay couple. Awesome. (sighs) Love that. Watching the original movie. And I'm like, uh, awful. I'm like, are we supposed (laughs) to believe (laughs) that this movie exists within the world of this movie? What? I don't know what that was about. I don't know what that was about. What I had read was that it was a direct homage to Penny and Gary Marshall, who are no longer with us, and right. have that iconic scene of you know of Master and the housewife. And we get a, but we we see those costumes in the carnival, like right after, within thirty seconds, we're seeing those costumes recreated. So yeah. that was the homage, not actually right. showing a clip from the movie. And, and having it be like a regular... I was like, what is a stab? Like, what is happening? I did not understand it. It was so weird. It, it maybe, was... And it's so highlighted. Like, it's not like something yeah. passing. Like, oh my God, did you see that? Like, it wasn't... No, it was it like... It was like in it... your face. Like, they... Some of the lines were in there. <laughs> I was like... Yeah. What is going? Like, like even, whoa. even if like they would have passed, if she would have passed by and just saw the gay couple watching TV, and then as she flew by, they you could see them in the background. That yeah, would have been an different. Easter egg, not an like Easter something egg. so obvious. 
that makes you question everything. You're like, what? It, it was it was a nice enough tribute to have the costumes. I don't think we need ah. people know the original. We've seen it yeah. every October for the past thirty years. Well, that's not true. For the past uh, twenty five for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eighteen years of my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that was a weird and confusing choice. It was yeah. so bizarre. But also what's weird and confusing is this spell that they're putting on the people with the dance. I, I remember there was some, there's something about this. So they're doing the same dance. I mean, they're doing the same spell. To they're still the same spell. Citizens just keep dancing. You know, in the original, it was used as a plot device to keep the parents occupied dancing yeah. in their spell until, you know, they suck the lives out of all their kids. In this one, it's to build an army to help them track down the mayor. Once they find the mayor, nothing the happens. spell is gone. Like, was that like, was the is... purpose of this spell. Like they found him, and as soon as that one person touched him, everyone's like, "How did I get here?" Bye. Whoa! And they steal his apple, and it's like, and that's not what? even how the witches find him. Yeah, that's not even how the witches find him. They find him when he goes home. It was like, this was. Why didn't Dumb. we just can? Why didn't we connect the dots more? Why didn't we say? hey, what is the purpose of this army that they've created? They weren't menacing. They didn't do anything. They had no purpose other than to be to feature a dance number. And it was like, what? Why? Yes. Yeah, that was a weird, confusing choice to me, too, because I was like, it was just an excuse to put a song and dance number back in the formula. Which, I, which I love. I love, I love that it. that exists in there. That's a perfect homage to probably the most iconic scene in the movie. Yes. But it should have had a purpose. It should have served a purpose and it should have followed through. Yes. It's such a throwaway. Okay. So we have them like the witches, like they get to the house. I think we have another funny moment when we, they, (laughs) so when they confront Siri because she was all, because when she's like, all right, girls spread out. And then uh, Sarah starts going to the splits and then she grabs her and she goes, be serious. And then Siri's all, I'm sorry. I didn't understand that. (laughs) Yes, I thought Who that was that? funny. <laughs> like, There's a small woman trapped in that box. <laughs> yeah, they all scream and they run away. I thought that was funny. And then we have that garage scene where they get trapped by the salt. Like the salt is like used, I think, you know, a lot in this. It's used a lot. And it it is much um, like in the original when they use the salt, it's like, oh, a salt circle. It's like implied. Witch. But now yeah. it's like a force field. It's like and- a force field. <laughs> yeah. I do like though when they are trapped in the salt. And Tony Hale finally shows up to the house. I think this, there's a really brilliant moment in choreography with them when they're like, the way Swaying. they kind of move together and they sway and they, they're they like doing that like figure eight pattern. I think that's very cool, very witchy. And that to me is very visually pleasing when I think of like witches, them sort of like moving in a collective unit. They do look really scary. And it's, yeah, like the way they're all looking and kind of staring, especially Sarah. <laughs> And uh, she just looks very <laughs> witchy in this moment. They have, they always have this organic choreography. Right, exactly. Which they're almost like a hive, like hive-minded, you know, like a coven. And the singing, when they're like, they decide to like yes. sing. <laughs> it's just, yeah. down here, I would have warmed up if I knew I'd be down here. <laughs> she's like, she's like I, don't, so I don't feel very warmed up. I, I probably would have been like, hey, uh, yeah, that, that part's yeah, really funny. That was funny. And the Roombas, that is Come to so the rescue. Clever. 
is so clever. But I'm like, aren't they controlled by like, dark magic? There you are, my darlings. And they go, yeah. and they're like, they start my vacuuming boobies. up the salt. They can't stand mess. Or what she, yeah. what she says. I love it. That was good. Yeah, they come and they vacuum it up. I think that that is very brilliant. All right. So we got Cassie gets kidnapped when she's brought in on what's happening. And um, off to the off to the Forbidden Forest we go. All right. Here is the finale. The sisters arrive at the Forbidden Forest, where Gilbert has assembled the ingredients, including Billy's severed head. Winifred scratches open Cassie's neck to complete the ingredient list. Now that Gilbert has completed his tasks, he is freed of his spell and sent out of the forest. Too easy. The sisters begin to perform the Magic Eye Maximus spell as Becca and Izzy catch up to them. Izzy notices a power charging in Becca's hands. They finally put it together that Becca is a natural witch, given her powers on her 16th birthday. Becca confronts the sisters who also realize she is now a witch. Mary and Sarah soon realize their own power is manifesting as they defend themselves against Becca. Becca manages to convince Book to come with her so the witches can't finish their spell. Book reveals the warning of Magicae Maxima. In exchange for its power, the spell takes that which is most valuable to its conjurer. Just then, the witches attack, but Becca is able to use her powers to protect herself and the other girls. Book also reveals that power is meant to be shared. As Becca's protection weakens against the sister's magic, the girls join hands and are able to share Becca's magic and use their newfound coven to strengthen the protection. The sisters decide they are running out of time and can complete the spell without Book's help. The girls are unable to warn Winifred of the consequences before the spell is complete. A surge of power is unleashed, sending lightning strikes throughout Salem. The black flame candles blown out, and but the sister. Oh. The black flame flame buttholes blown out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the porno version. You want to light this yeah. black flame butthole? Yeah, hocus pocus. Choke us, focus. <laughs> Choke us, focus. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. The black flame candles blown out, but the sisters remain alive. The girls finally catch up to them and warn Winifred of the price she has paid. Only Winifred has become all-powerful as Mary and Sarah fade to glittering dust. Winifred panics as her sisters give tearful goodbyes. Winifred grows despondent and regretful, realizing her powers are not worth sacrificing her sisters. She begs the teenagers to use their newfound powers to save her sisters. Becca, Izzy, and Cassie join together and cast a reuniting spell, which does not bring them back, but instead Winifred happily fades away to be reunited with her sisters. The girls are joined by Gilbert and Billy's body, reuniting with his head. Billy starts to fade away as well, realizing that all of Winifred's spells have been undone. He's relieved to finally be headed to his eternal rest. Gilbert gives one last apology to the girls for tricking them. Oh, please. (laughs) Shut up, Gilbert. You should be dead. Becca decides to keep book and continue practicing her magic with her new coven. In a post credit scene, Cobweb prowls around the magic shop and hops onto a shelf where we see a box labeled as a second black flame candle, hinting that the Sanderson sisters could return again. The end. But how? I thought Billy Butcherson, you know, disappearing means that all of Winifred's spells are broken. Because the black flame candles are not of Winifred's doing, they're of Book's doing. So it's. Yeah, but. But doesn't she cast a spell on All Hallows Eve when the moon is round? When well, isn't that her spell that she? That's her spell. Yeah, it's 
it's this seems like just they're suspend like suspend your disbelief. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. That's what it has to be. It's like okay, well, if we there's a possibility for them to all come back, we at least left the door open. Yeah, just in case. But um, okay, don't think too hard on it. <laughs> don't don't start planning. Okay, the movie. One of the critiques that I read was that the movie doesn't have the same edge as 1993 which I don't think is totally true I know there is much more edgier dialogue but we've come a long way since then and those that edge is no longer is now just inappropriate like in modern day terms so I think the movie has edge in ways like they do have some scary moments. They do have some jump scares, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're light. They're for kids, but you know, they're there. Right. And, but when Miss Winnie scratches open Cassie's neck, I was like, Whoa, was that like, was dang. Kinda, yeah. I wish blood would have started spurting out. Yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> even see the blood. Where's the blood at? Where's the blood at from the front to back? Now, was you feeling that? Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> That when they start the spell, though, they have they Mary and Sarah do kind of get a charge of lightning in their hands, that are of course and within their color palette, right? Of um, course, but I but I wish that would have gone somewhere. It doesn't really go anywhere. I thought I thought that was an opportunity for them to make the witches really scary as a unit. Not only does Winifred have this power, not all three of them, that makes the threat even bigger. But instead it's kind of just thrown away like they never even really use that newfound power to do anything no. that they big. only just use it to give sarah a moment where she's like no an empowering moment too yeah she has this empowering Wait. moment but at the same time it's because they've only made it halfway through the spell at that point that it's only now starting to begin but once they complete the spell come to find out they have no powers at all they yeah. actually disappear so i'm like what? It just feels like half-baked ideas just to give her, you know, an empowering moment where she takes back her story and yeah. says, "You went, I'm loyal and I'm a good sister, no matter how dumb you think I am. I'm not a fool." Which is like Sarah's okay. character development in this one was just off. It, it, I don't all, know, all over the place. It's just yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we're full on. Yes, Sabrina Change Witch, very craft legacy. This yes. force field they create to protect themselves. <laughs> It felt very, now is the time, this is the hour, ours is the magic, ours is the power. Like, this was, this was like, I was like, okay, 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 okay. I was like, when I was very high watching this the first time, I couldn't even, I couldn't even watch the screen. I had to, I was literally closing my eyes because I was like, no, no, not this. Rewatching it, I didn't dislike it as much. I was like, okay, whatever. Yes. I, I, I think it is, it's a good way for these girls to, you know, come together. I just do think that it makes the new girls a little too powerful too soon. But also there is that explanation that the forest charges the witch's powers. Okay, that's so true. There we go. They're, they are just a tad more powerful in the woods. And I, I accepted it for that. Sure. Um, and it does sort of bring up the conversation of it changes the way that we first viewed this universe's thoughts on witches like we've already said like everything was evil but now we're starting to see that the Sandersons are just somehow drifted into the shadow side of of witchcraft whereas there are other witches like Becca who you know can use their magic 
for good. But humanizing Book as a part of that, like, Book is like, I'm tired of the evil shit, I'm out. Like, Book yeah. has a lot to do with the chaos of yes. all of these movies. I don't so, think Book deserves a redemption arc, to be honest, either. Book is like, I'm just, I'm retiring, and I'm just gonna help Becca throw yeah. like, bubble parties and glitter fests and stuff. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay. Well, and sure. I also think that Becca's ability to control her power so fast is also weird. Like, there's that scene, like, you know, they see her hands yeah. are glowing, and Izzy's like, can we use your magic to stop the witches? And she's like, I guess we'll find out. I'd be like, bitch, I don't even know what my powers are. What are, how do I control these? She just automatically knows how to, how to create force fields, and she knows how to shoot, you know, lightning out of her hands. It's like, this just feels like it's all happening too much too fast. I love the effects of the lightning. Like the once the magic eye Maximus spell is done, Winifred's yes. eyes are glowing purple. It looks, it amazing. looks amazing. There's this shoot of power. It causes this purple lightning to strike all around Salem. It's the effects here looked great. Even when Winifred starts to realize what's been done and they start disappearing, the way that they they turn into glitter in this one is so well done. Oh yeah, for it sure. Looks amazing. Yeah, when when they're floating and like they're sort of slowly dissipating into into glitter, it's it's yeah. a really it's and she's like, what does she say? She's like, I'm my hands are blowing away in the wind or something like <laughs> yeah. that. My yeah. fingers are blowing away in the wind. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and um, I love that it's sort of they did use the idea of how they disappear in the first one, but just made it more yeah. whimsical and more sad. And, yeah, you know, giving them a chance like, to like have a full <gasps> goodbye moment. There's a great message here, I think, when they start doing these tearful goodbyes. Right, you know, and we it brings us back to the opening of the movie where we find out that, you know, Winifred's sisters are her power. Her coven is her power. And so this moment does make sense, you know. They, she finally becomes all-powerful, whatever that means. We never get a full explanation of what the power is. <laughs> we never get the extent of the powers, which is just winning. Did doing that spell, and because of the uh, the terms and conditions that she will lose what she loves the most. And once they disappear, does that mean that she no longer has powers? Because she even says it. She's like, I'm powerless without my sisters. So in the end of the day, the, mag- the Magic Eye Maximo spell screwed her over and she had no powers? Because why would... I feel in this moment, if my two sisters died because of this, I thought she was going to take it like to the, the other way that she'd be vengeful and want to kill them with her new powers. But instead they go for the softer route where she's actually remorseful. Yeah. And she, she becomes soft and like apologetic and it's much you different. Save my sisters. I'm like, what? It's, it's much different from the original, especially when like Max sacrifices himself for Danny and the original. She's like to save, you know, to sacrifice thyself for that sister or whatever. And like, yeah. you're like, well, Winifred would never do that. And then we, we realized that she would. It's a, it's a kind of a weird shift. Like you, like you're saying, I think it would go a different way based on who Winifred really is. But yeah. we have to wrap things up, right? So it's like, okay, sure. well, sure. Um, I think it's a great message here because it does tie into the change of cinema that we went yeah. from having things like the craft to the craft legacy. It's the same reason that a movie like, you know, Mean Girls would never work in today's society. Right. Um, 
But even in interviews, Bette Midler has noted the change women have gone through over the past 30 years and the way that they're portrayed and their stories are told in, in cinema. And I think that the way they incorporated this modern age storytelling into the original concept of Focus Focus is well done. It gives our villain enough heart without yeah. completely making us sympathetic to her. Um, I think she could have been a little bit more forceful in her demand for them to bring them back. Yeah, because it, it's a little too apologetic and it makes her look weak. Yes, And it's it like, does. oh, was the whole time she... Has she fooled us this entire time that she's only been powerful because of her you know these other two that are with her are we supposed to be like oh i feel sorry for her like it kind of circles back to what happens just moments before this which is when becca is putting up the force field and then holes start to appear in it and then when she grabs the other girl's hands it re-strengthens itself so it sort of seems like that's a way of telling the audience that like hey winifred was was the witch and mary and sarah kind of fed off of her magic and were able to not just use Winifred's magic to make themselves powerful, but also just to make their powers as a coven. It almost like magnifies it beyond Winifred's own natural abilities, which is what seems to happen for Becca. But for her to like completely like shut off and be like, you know, she could have, it could have been the same lines, but it could have been, my powers are nothing without my sisters. Bring them back now. You know? Yeah. That seems more in line with the character. I, I think Bette Midler delivers this this final little monologue beautifully. I mean, my God. She if it, does. It just feels like if it were any other, like a different character, I'd be like, oh my God, amazing. But I'm like, oh, this is kind of weird for Winifred. But honestly, sure. It, it's a way for us to, it's almost like a, a beautiful goodbye to these characters that we have loved for over three, you know, three decades. And I get it. It's like, it's a way to put a a final seal on these characters. They came back as, you know, without the black flame candle. It's not necessary anymore. And then it seems like they're gone for good and they're never coming back and they're gone for real. And so I get it. It's a, you know, it's a way for them to end it completely and um and it feels you know, good i think for them to like when they do do the reuniting spell and like the uh, glittering energy sort of comes and re- reunites with winnie and they sort of like you know burst off into glitter together it feels very beautiful yeah but then it happens to billy and i'm like yeah no i thought he should have <laughs> just blown away like dust or yeah. just or just like stopped or like, you know, sort of like, I couldn't believe he was alive as long as he was after they floated away. <laughs> I was like, how is he still alive? And then he obviously went right then, but I was just like, yeah. he should have been immediately gone. He yeah. lasts longer than them. I just didn't like that. The glitter, um, that he turned into yeah. glitter as well. I was like, no, yeah, I he should have been that. dusty. Yeah. He's a zombie. A, he's not. Yeah. A he should have just fell into a pile of dirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, then we see the girls take off and they start to, like, develop the mannerisms yeah. of the sisters, which is cute. Right. And then that bird comes back to to make a deal with the devil, I guess. Which I don't want to see happen in the next mm. one. Yeah. And I don't really want those three characters back if there's a third one. And if they do do a third one, they would have to bring back more than just Miss Beck. They have to bring... To be- Bring back Max, bring back Allison, bring back Danny. Yes. Make it the the end of the, the trilogy. Hot dad. Yeah. Oh my god, the bring hot dad, back. Madonna. 
Yeah, Madonna. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. resurrect Gary and Penny. Like, there needs to be. <laughs> They're the new Billy Butcher. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? And you know what? Fuck it. Find another way to bring back Thackeray and. Sure. And, uh, Billy, maybe even uh, a young girl playing Emily. Like, <laughs> let's just bring everybody back. There's room for everybody. Uh, there's um, room for everybody. Absolutely. That would make it, you know, that would be like, okay, sure. I'll. I'll I'll make it through one more story, but I don't see. I don't this see it happening. Doing it again. This feels very final. I don't think that even like they yeah. would come back. I feel like this took a lot out of them. I read. I I saw an interview where the three of them said they were like, I mean, we're open to it. And Sarah Jessica specifically says that um, she wouldn't mind coming back for another one. It would just have to be uh, up to also Bet and Kathy. But Bet loves playing this character. She will play this yeah. character until she absolutely cannot anymore. So honestly, and I guess that's up to Kathy. According to their press and interviews, um, Kathy seems to be the most involved with the fandom of Hocus Pocus. She's like, I love yeah. them. She's like, sometimes they scare me, but I love them. And and I, she was the first one to say yes. So I don't doubt that if they are all on board again, it would happen. I just it would, hope that for sure. I, there's something that feels very final about this one but again if they do bring it back that would need to be the final one like in threes for trilogy, sure yeah would, would make good. it a trilogy end it yeah all right so what are the final thoughts on this i mean obviously we we gave we gave a lot of critique on this but it's because the original is so near and dear to us however i will say even through all the critiques i don't even care because yeah. at the end of the day, I'm still seeing these characters that I love, these three specific characters, Winnie, Mary, and Sarah, up there just being hilarious, being funny. Doing you it. know, whether the whether the movie itself is amazing or not, it doesn't matter. Will I watch this movie a million times? Probably. Because Absolutely. I don't care. I love I love these characters. I will watch it over and over again, whether I have critiques on it or not. And yeah. uh, I mean, shit, I've watched how many times have I seen Scream 4? You know, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, the, I, I, my love for these characters in the original movie outweighs any negative criticism I have of this. And so, I mean, realistically, my score is like probably like what a three out of five for this movie. Okay. But okay. I mean, I still, but I will, I enjoy it. I love watching them sing and dance. I love watching them be funny. And um, that's all that really matters to me. It's the Halloween yeah. spirit. And it, it's no matter what, that will never die. Yes. I really liked and appreciated this movie much like you did. It obviously doesn't have quite the same charm as the original. Yeah. And it'll take a while to be just as treasured as the original. Of I mean, course. it took 30 years. I mean, we have to remember the original was a flop. And it wasn't until that it was being shown every day in October on these Freeform, cha- television right, yeah. in the late 90s that it really took off into something special um, and became a cult classic. So this probably has just as many mistakes, just as many plot holes as the original. Right. But it doesn't have quite the same amount of charm to make and nostalgia. it. It doesn't have nostalgia to- on its side. It does, but right. it doesn't. It, yeah. You know. I think the charm, it's for me, it's a charm that yeah. it doesn't let us forgive it completely for messing up sure. here and there. Um, there aren't as many one liners or uh, quotable things, you know, for decades to come. But I do think that they balanced everything perfectly enough to keep us feeling nostalgic for the original while also following the formula, but introducing these new fresh ideas that take it to a new level. Um, 
I like the Young Witch storyline. I thought that was way more intriguing um, to have the kids be powerful as well, um, rather than just rehashing the same shit from the original because they did so closely follow the formula of the original that it was like we needed those things to make it separate and yeah. new. Um, the theatrical backdrops, the music, everything that in that sense was great. The direction was a little weird just because it yeah. was, you know, you're not coming into this from someone's perspective. You're not being embedded into the story. You're just watching it unfold. So there was a little bit of a disconnect here. Um, I don't know. They, I do think that they achieved a pretty decent balance and made this Agreed. just as enjoyable. Um, they gave the story a lot of heart. I'm going to watch this like you along with the original every October. So I'm definitely just going to give it a three and a half out of five. Yeah. Perfect. All right. I mean, I think, I think that's, I think those are fair scores and it doesn't mean that I don't like this movie and that I won't watch it forever and ever. It is probably, and honestly, it's probably one of the better Disney sequels of all time. Agreed. (laughs) Agreed. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good. It's fun. All right, which we did it. We did it. Focus, focus too, bitches. Yes, we've we've (laughs) waited 30 years for it. And um, it is here this Halloween. So I hope everybody enjoys it. Yes. And lucky for you, you don't have to wait 30 years for us to come back with a new episode because we will be back next week with more Halloween treats as we review Halloween ends. Oh, God. Wish us luck. Wish us luck. How are we going to get through it? Bitch, I am scared and it's not of Michael Myers. (laughs) I know. The sequels continue next week, but follow us on Instagram. We actually have a lot going for us on Instagram this season. Like we're doing the most. All of the ideas we've ever had for this podcast are all put together in our season five marketing on Instagram at Fear the Chalking Queers. Yes. Um, Head over to Apple uh, Podcasts where you can leave us a review we haven't had one in a long time uh (laughs) so please uh you know let if you are a big fan of us i know we have a lot of uh, you know new listeners um let us know what you think and you know help us you know raise our score or whatever so uh yeah Yeah. for for a halloween treat yeah halloween treat this year uh for us give us a five-star review we'd love it Absolutely. Chick a treat. <laughs> yeah, chick a treat, bitch. Have a fun, safe Halloween. Yes, please. Enjoy, enjoy Halloween. Enjoy it. This is our moment, everybody. Everybody who is listening to this show has loves celebrating Halloween. So please yes. make the most of it. Yes, this is our third Halloween here at Fear of the Talking Queers, and um, we couldn't be more excited. <gasps> oh my gosh! Which reminds me, go listen to our old Halloween episodes. We have okay. a Halloween special that's amazing. Listen to that Halloween special. It is so underappreciated. We worked so hard on it like in the thick of the pandemic. It is brilliant. There is acting. There is singing. There yes. is you a thought Hocus Pocus 2 brought the drama? Oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. Yeah, no. We're, we, we brought the performance <laughs> in that. So head back to our season one, to our Halloween special. You will not regret it. Oh, absolutely not. So happy Halloween. And until next time. Sweet screams, bitch. Bye. Bye.